Good morning, Full Gospel Assembly Melbourne. I've sent you greetings from Faith Community Church here in Perth, Western Australia. Well, I can almost feel your excitement over the internet. Uh, I'm sure all of you are very, very excited to be able to meet on-site after such a long time of online church. And, you know, I, I'm greatly privileged to be able to speak to you on this first gathering on-site. You know, COVID-19 has been a real game-changer for so many of us. I think we all started off the year with great hopes and high aspirations, but uh, when this pandemic came, all of us have to shift our plans. We all have to adjust our goals. But you know, through the whole experience, through this entire crisis, I've learned one thing, that that which the devil has meant for harm, God can turn it around for his own redemptive purpose. And I think it's all to do with perspective. How do you view this crisis? And this is the message that I would like to bring to you uh, this morning as you kick off your first on-site church. Now, uh, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm going to read for you from verses 15 to 17 of 2 Kings chapter 6. And then I want to share with you something which I've entitled Six Key Perspectives post-COVID-19. Okay, so let's look at 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 onwards. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Let's bow and have a word of prayer before I share with you the word. Father, I thank you for this morning that what a privilege it is to be able to gather together with the family of God and to hear the word of God being shared. And Lord, this morning I've asked that you anoint your servant so that you will help me to deliver your word with clarity, with simplicity, but also with authority. Grant your servant a prophetic unction so that the words that I speak will be relevant to the people that are hearing it this morning. So thank you, Lord. And we wait to hear what your spirit have to say to us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. There's an interesting story that was told about a Sunday school teacher who really wanted to teach all these five-year-old kids the danger of drinking alcohol, you know. And so he wanted to do it through object lessons. So what he did was he brought a beaker of alcohol uh, into the class and then he took a live worm and then right before all the children, he dropped the live worm into the beaker of alcohol. Immediately, the worm shriveled up, sank to the bottom and died. So very triumphantly, he lifted the beaker to the class and he asked the class, you know, now children, tell me what does this teach you about drinking alcohol? And one little girl put up her hands and said, Teacher, this teaches me that if I drink alcohol, I will have no worms. And that's true, isn't it? That, yeah, it's true. If you drink alcohol, it will kill every germ in your body. It will kill every worm in your body. But why is it that you have such a difference of view. The reason is because to a teacher, the danger is in the alcohol. But to a little child, the danger is in the worm. You see, it's all a matter of perspective. What you see determines how you feel. 
And what you see determines what we do. It's all about perspective. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, we see a great example of this. Now, the king of Aram, here's the context. The king of Aram was at war with Israel. And things were not going well with the king of Aram because all the ambushes that he set up to try and attack Israel was failing again and again. All of his attempts were frustrated again and again. Why? Because all the intel that came to Israel was from the prophet Elisha. Now, how many of you know that if the intel comes from one who knows all things and who sees all things, it will be 100% accurate. Isn't that true? So as a result, the king of Aram was so upset, he was so angry, he sent a huge army to Dotham, where Elisha was, and surrounded the entire city by night. Now, can you imagine how mad the king must be to send an entire army to surround an entire city just to destroy one prophet? And so the enemy surrounded the city by night, and the next morning, the servant of the man of God stepped out into the balcony, took one look at all the chariots and, and horses surrounding the city, and he was, he was literally melting in fear. So he rushed into the room and he shouted to the, to the prophet, he says, Oh my Lord, what shall we do? And I want you to notice this, the man of God did not panic at all, but instead he declared this, don't be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So here's my point. What you see determines how you feel. The servant saw the enemies, but Elisha saw the armies of God. But what the prophet did next was very interesting. Instead of talking to the servant, what Elisha did was he spoke to God. He did not give the servant a pep talk, a military plan, or a motivational speech, but instead he prayed. Now, what he prayed was also very interesting. Notice what the prophet prayed for. This is what the prophet prayed. He says, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. What's the point here? It's all about what you see. Open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And this is so critical because what we see determines how we do things. And the next thing the Lord did was, the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And brothers and sisters, I believe this is what we need when we are faced with a crisis. We need to be able to view our crisis through the lens of who our God is and what our God says. You see, and one of the most important weapons that we have to go through this COVID-19 crisis is perspective. Our perspective is the most powerful weapon we have to go through any crisis. How you see things determines how you do things. What we see determines what we do. So what do you see? You know, this morning, I want to be able to share with you six perspectives that I have derived out of this crisis. Here are six critical perspectives that the Lord uh, kind of uh, showed to me as we were going through this crisis. And here they are. Number one is this. I learned that crisis creates clarity. Crisis creates clarity. 
that this crisis can clarify for all of us what is important and what is not so important. Crisis helps us to differentiate between what are the need to have and what are the nice to have. For example, this last August, the August just passed, our church have actually been, uh, have our annual discipleship conference. And this year, we were particularly excited because we managed to invite uh, Ravi Zachariah, someone that we've always wanted to have in our pulpit. We finally, after three years' wait, managed to get him to agree to come last August. Uh, and we also managed to invite Philip Ng from Far East Organization in Singapore. And we were also excited, uh, looking forward to that conference. And then you know what happened. Pan the pandemic started. And then shortly after that, Ravi Zechariah actually went home to be with the Lord. And Philip Ng couldn't fly because of the pandemic. And everything that we wanted to do had to be changed. You know? And we then discovered something. We realized that not having that big conference it's not going to sink our ship. In fact, it's a shame, of course. You know, we, it, we, we really were sad that we couldn't go ahead with it, but it did not change the church in a fundamental way. It is a nice to have, but it is not fatal if we don't have it. However, we discovered that if we do not have a strong small group system, if we don't have a strong cell group system, it will really sink our ship. If our cell groups, if our connect groups are not strongly in place, then we will not even know who is still there and who is gone. You know, we can put up a great live stream service Sunday after Sunday, but we will never really know who is watching and who is not. Really, that is the, the situation, that's the reality. And it is only through our, our cell, cell group leaders that we can know where our people are, what is happening to the last person in the church. And this is how critical our cell groups really are. And we learn something. In order to go deeper, we must go smaller. Another discovery we made was that we can do without big events, but if our people don't have a solid foundation in their personal walk with God, the sheep will scatter once we do not have all the frills and trills of modern Christianity. COVID-19, I believe, have stripped the church down to our irreducible minimum, and it takes a crisis to uncover our spiritual foundation or the lack of it. And there is nothing like a crisis that can drive us back to basics. You know, I've discovered that no amount of prayer concerts, prayer prompters, prayer campaign can drive people to prayer like a crisis can. And during this season, there are more prayer power generated across the world than any prayer conference or, or campaign can do. No amount of seminars, conferences and retreats can replace the daily need to feed ourselves with the Word of the Living God. And how many of you will agree in FGA in Melbourne? Isn't that true? And you know, during the lockdown, all of our fancy programs are gone. We are stripped down to personal solitude with God, you know, face-to-face -face interaction with our family, you know, heart-to-heart -heart sharing, praying in small groups, and learning to feed ourselves with the Word of God spending time with our loved ones and seeking ways to serve people they are all around us, like our neighbour, like our own street. You know, we are learning to do that. In other words, it is simply back to basics. By the time the crisis ended, the servant of Elisha 
will know a side of God that he has never knew before. I have a feeling that at the end of our crisis in this pandemic, we will also know who Christ really is. You know, we're going to know a side of God that we have never known before. So number one is this, crisis creates clarity. Here's number two, crisis reorders our priorities. In a normal busy life that we all lead, we often have competing priorities and sometimes even conflicting priorities. And in a crisis, we learn to give priority to the essential things of our life. And during this period of COVID-19, I found that I have given more time to a few key priorities in my life. And let me share them with you and you see if you resonate with it. Number one, I've given more time to my personal time with God, to practice the spiritual disciplines of solitude, silence, prayer, reading, etc. Number two, I have more focused time with my family. Now, even though my immediate family are right there, but many of my families are overseas. And actually, I've discovered during this pandemic that even though it is online, we now have more regular Zoom time with our extended family simply because everybody's at home. Nobody's traveling. So we can actually find more time for one another. Uh, I also found a uh, priority and make it a priority now to have think time for myself. You know, I have more time now to actually reflect, to write, take walks and catch up with my own reading, etc. And as a result of this crisis, I started to write a book that I've always wanted to write and it's on disciple making. And I'm planning that by the end of uh, this year, by early next year, we'll be able to get the first draft of the book out. And that's something that, uh, that allows me to use this crisis time to actually reflect, to think and to write. And lastly, I have more add value time for others. I discovered during this period that I have more time now to think about how to add value to others uh, that, that are people that are important to me. Like, for example, mentoring time with my team pastors have definitely grown because I don't travel that much, uh, don't travel at all, in fact. And as a result, we have more regular time uh, of mentoring with the team pastors. Uh, I also managed to, to have catch-up time with my own mentors uh, simply because all of them are people who travel a lot and now they're all at home. So we could regularize our monthly uh, meeting now via Zoom. And I'm thinking of ways in which I can be a blessing to others. Uh, like we just made, I just made all of my past teaching materials, uh, my last 30 years of teaching materials, I make it all available now on YouTube, online free uh, to the body of Christ. And all this happened because of this crisis period. I started thinking, how do I add value to other people's life? Um, as a family, we decided to give out cakes and party stuff, you know, like balloons and party hats. During the lockdown season, we gave cakes and party hats and, and party stuff to the whole street that we are living on uh, so that every family can have a party on us uh, in their own uh, privacy of their own home. And that was really, really fun. It helped us to get to know all of our neighbours in our street. You know, and all we're wanting to do is just to add value to others around us. You know, in a crisis when everybody is asking how to stay alive, the true question to ask is what are we living for? I think it is a time for us to ask if we are truly living for what 
matters. And the issue is not just to stay alive, but to be alive to the purposes of God. And in the face of a crisis, our values are redefined. What is so important pre-COVID become less important post-COVID. And in the face of imminent dangers, our priorities are rearranged. And this is a great opportunity, my brothers and sisters, to have deep conversation about what we are living for. Are we just existing or are we truly living? And are we living for things that really matter? Uh, are we marching to the right drumbeat? Are we governed by biblical or worldly values? Are we really living for what truly matters? So those are important questions to ask. And we allow this crisis to rearrange our priorities. So number one, crisis creates clarity. Crisis rearranges our priorities. And number three, I think crisis also reveals fault lines. Oh, please pay attention to this. Crisis reveals our fault lines. You know, I believe that our crisis, this crisis is a great opportunity for us to examine the conditions of our own heart. You know, one of the interesting discoveries I made was that before the pandemic, we can very easily just give the excuse that we have no time for God because we are busy. You know, we have lots of travels and, and all that. And as a result, our time with God is compromised. But now that we are in a lockdown and we are not going anywhere and we have time, does it really mean that we will spend time with God? And that was when I suddenly realized that the problem was not about a lack of time, but it's really a lack of holy desire. Now that people have time, does it mean that they really spend time with God? Maybe not. Because the real issue is not the lack of time. The real issue is a lack of desire. Now, we always assume that we are too busy to spend time with our family because of our travels, because of our work and our office and all of that. And now that we have time and we are in fact locked down in close proximity to our family, does that really mean that we will enjoy spending time with our family? Maybe not. You know, I discovered that the issue is not one of time again, but the issue is one of a lack of deep relationship. That's the real issue. So the lack of desire, the, the lack of a depth of relationship are fault lines that has always been there. It's just that we don't have to deal with it because we are too busy, we're traveling, and we don't have to deal with all these fault lines. But now that we are in a lockdown, all these fault lines are exposed. And I don't think God exposes these fault lines in our life to, con to, to make us feel guilty or to condemn us, but it's to make us aware of them so that we can then deal with them. And I think this is a time to let this crisis expose the fault lines in our life so that we can deal resolutely with them. And then we can look forward to the other end of COVID-19 when we become better and we become deeper. So crisis reveals fault lines. Here's number four. Crisis also uncovers leadership. Crisis uncovers leadership. In a time of crisis, we see people rise at the same time. That's what I've discovered. In the, in the time that Perth went through a lockdown, I begin to see that there are two different kinds of people. And the truth is this. 
you cannot manage your way out of a crisis. You have to lead your way out of a crisis. And this is, as, uh, this is the time where we will begin to see leaders rising to see opportunities during the storm. Crisis brings us out of comfort zone and into a creative space. Have you ever noticed this, that in, it is in a crisis when people, when push comes to shove, when we are pressed against the, the wall, that is when uh, people get out of comfort zone and then they get into a creative space and all of a sudden you got innovative ideas that begins to come out from certain people. Uh, we find those who choose to contribute rather than to complain. We will uncover uh, people who are positive rather than negative. We will discover those who choose to make lemonade when they are handed a lemon. We will see those who are seeking to add value uh, rather than to take advantage. And we will find out who are those who provide solutions rather than to lament about problems. And guess what? These are the leaders of tomorrow. And I think a crisis brings out all these virtues in people with potential for leadership. I think this is a time, church, for FGA Melbourne. This is a time for you to discover, to develop and to deploy them for the next season. And so crisis uncovers leadership. Now, number five, here's another perspective you'd love. Uh, I also realized that crisis raises new challenges. They do. Crisis will raise new challenges. And there are two major challenges that COVID-19 has introduced to the church that I think every leader needs to pay attention to and all of us need to be made aware of. The first is this. It's the challenge of convenience versus commitment. Crisis, uh, this is a crisis that COVID-19 has brought about, I think. COVID-19 has been a separator. It has separated the committed from the crowd, I think. What I've discovered through this period is that those who are committed pre-COVID, they become even more committed. But those who are on the fringe, they can literally walk away. And I would want them to know that even though the online church, and this is something I want every one of my members uh, in the church to know, that even though the online church is here to stay, we must be very clear that there are certain aspects of our faith that cannot find its full expression online. I, I do believe that there are some things that are not downloadable online. I, I can think of a few right off the top of my head. For example, the worship dynamics. You know, you can, you can never worship the way that you can worship on-site online. You know, I've discovered that during the time when I'm watching my own online live stream, now, I, I don't think I'm as engaged in worship as I would be if I'm on site. You know, in fact, I find myself just watching the worship leader doing his thing on screen and I'm just mouthing the words now and then, but I'm not really engaged like I would be when I am on site. So the worship dynamics is not something you can download. The corporate anointing is something you cannot download online. Personal ministry. You know, you, it's hard to get someone to pray with you when you're watching it on your own, isn't it? Uh, you cannot download Holy Spirit encounters uh, at the same level that you would get when you are on site. 
Uh, you cannot download service opportunities. You know, if you are watching online, it's, it's so passive. There is no service opportunity. You cannot download intimate fellowship after the service. You cannot download real-time discipleship. These are things that are not downloadable online. And there are many things in the on-site church that is not downloadable to the online church. Now, if people don't want to come back to the, the on-site church because of health concern, I can fully respect that and I, I fully understand that. However, if my people are not wanting to come back to physical gatherings based on convenience, you know, I know how convenient it can be. You know, when your service starts at 10 o'clock and you get up at 9.55, you stay in your PJs, open up your computer and just lock in and you are in church. I know that's very convenient. But if they are not wanting to come back because they enjoy this convenience all the, too much, then I would want them to consider if they have bowed their knees unknowingly to the God of convenience. I think the very act of getting out of bed on a Sunday morning, getting changed, you know, packing your kids, putting them in the car and driving all the way to church, all of that in themselves is already an act of consecration. You know, and I think that there is nothing that, that can replace the, online, uh, the on-site church. And I'm so glad that all of you are finally getting on-site uh, today. So one challenge that COVID-19 has raised and we all have to deal with it is convenience versus commitment. The second challenge is passivity versus engagement. You know, one of the outcomes I've observed uh, coming out of the staying on, on the online church is that Christianity can easily be turned into a spectator sports, something that you just on your TV and you just watch passively. Just like what we do with, with footy, you know, <laughs> we are watching 11 people or 20 people running around on the field uh, and then we are just watching passively on screen and at the end of that footy session, we all thought we have exercised, but actually we have not. You know, all we have done is to watch a spectator sports and I, I have this concern that the online church can turn Christianity into a spectator sports where we simply come to watch passively or even superficially while in the midst of doing other stuff. And consequently, the level of worship engagement and word receptivity can go down. And this is what we, have, we observed when we first returned uh, to the on-site church uh, several months ago. You know, the first few weeks was very exciting, just like you are feeling the excitement right now. But after that, because of the restricted numbers, uh, because of people having, getting used to the, the online church, slowly I begin to observe that the, there is a passivity that can settle over the people. And then after a while, I observed that worship has less intensity and receptivity of the word has lower engagement. So we have to intentionally challenge the people to engage again, you know, and to receive the word of God, not just passively, but actively, you know. And I want to challenge you to watch out for these challenges. So crisis can raise new challenges. And lastly, I just want to leave you with this thought that crisis can also bring new opportunities. You know, one of the results of this season was our intentional drive to actually decentralize the church. 
you know, due to COVID-19 restrictions, we were not able to accommodate everyone in our main building because all we could do is a 50% capacity. And as such, we took the opportunity to actually launch a new campus in our city. You know, we actually started by positioning it as a gathering point just to accommodate more people, just like what you have done. You have actually uh, uh, decentralized yourself into groups of 50 in different locations. Oh, that could be a really, that's really a brilliant idea. Uh, we did the same thing in positioning a gathering place to accommodate more people and at the same time, use that to launch a new campus in a city. And as a result, after about five months, we now have a new campus on the other side of town that can create a new catchment uh, for us as a church. You know, the other outreach effort was to take our, uh, our outreach online through Alpha Online. And that has been a really good experience uh, as well. That's a new opportunity that came up and this has resulted in new people saved uh, and people touched by the Holy Spirit. And over the last, I think, five months now, uh, we have seen more than 20 people come to know the Lord because of Alpha Online. And we still have 40 people who are actually going through the program right now. These are new opportunities that God has created due to COVID-19. And during this season, since we cannot go overseas for global missions, we have turned all of our attention to local missions within our city and our neighbourhood. And this has resulted in a lot more projects, local projects to reach out to people around us, like our neighbours and those who are along our street. And we started more projects to try and reach local people within our city. And that to me, I think is a really good outcome of the pandemic. COVID-19 has also taken us online, you know, uh, to the online platform like never before. And one of the really good things that come out of it, great opportunity that we have we seized was to take all of our equipping online, which has seen a much higher uptake. We now run um, bi-monthly teaching seminars uh, online that has drew crowds of between 700 to 1,000 devices on a Wednesday evening, uh, which is not something we could have achieved uh, without on-site, uh, without, uh, with, with our on-site training. And I'm so excited about that. Most of our people now have learned to go online to access training content. And we have decided that this event, any event that is not fellowship-based can stay online even after COVID-19 is over. Our next project will be to bring our Bible College completely online uh, so that we can go global instead of just staying local. This are great opportunities that await us through this pandemic. Through both the on-site and the online church, our goal is to build on-site depth and online reach. And I think these are all benefits that can come out of it. Build depth on-site, but build the reach online. It is not either or, but I think it is both and. And this is a great development, great opportunity that came out of COVID-19. And I want to end this morning by bringing our minds back to 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 to 17 again. You know, the thing that really struck me in this whole narrative uh, is that Elisha actually brought encouragement to his servant, not by nice comforting words or by giving him ego strokes and nice things that we say to one another, good job, well done. It wasn't that but he did it by asking God 
to give his servant the right perspective. He prayed, open his eyes that he may see. Why? Because what we see determines what we do. And this informs us that true encouragement comes when our eyes are lifted up to see God. That is one of the most important lessons we must learn. You know, during the COVID-19 crisis, the most important role that you and I have to play is to turn the eyes of people to see God, to see God in the midst of all this, that what the devil has meant for harm, God can turn it around for our own redemptive purpose. We don't just see the challenges, but we see the opportunities. You know, we see how God used crisis to create clarity, rearrange our priority, raise leaders, you know, new challenges, yes, but also new opportunities. And ultimately, our God is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the answer to our need. He is the perspective our people need to actually go through this crisis. You know, it is in the middle of the greatest crisis that we will also find our greatest opportunities. So I want to encourage you, Full Gospel Assembly in Melbourne, let us not waste this crisis, but we will take what the devil has meant for harm and we turn it around for God's redemptive purpose. I don't actually want to go back to normal, but I want to enter a new season where we can actually emerge stronger, deeper and better for God's glory. Amen. Allow me to just have a quick word of prayer with you. Father, I pray this morning that you will open our eyes to see who God is and what God is saying to us through this crisis. And through this crisis, may we all see who Christ really is. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.